Now, on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. It is your weekly tee box dysfunction on a Monday. Playing early golf this week alongside the Caddy. Michael Collins. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. Hit us up on social media at Maddie and Caddy, M A T T Y, the word and C A D D I E. That is both the Instagram, that is both the Twitter, and I am excited for today's show because we've got one Keegan Bradley <laughs> joining us today. Yes. And we look, we saw full Maddie and Caddy karma in full effect this week with Keegan at the Travelers. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. We actually got to record an interview with Keegan, and for a second it looked like it wasn't going to happen. But see, this is good karma. Keegan was like, hey, can I just holler at y'all? Yeah, what's, whatever you need to do, do. He gives us a holler. We have a nice little chat with him. I even forgot. I even told you I was going to say to him, hey, man, have fun winning this week. And You know what's you funny know, about though? that? You did say that, and and Tariq, our producer Tariq and I were kind of like giving you a hard time. We're like, well, we don't really think that's funny. <laughs> and you say, you're like, man, who are you to tell a comedian what's funny? I was like, well, I'm just telling you that's not that funny. And now looking back on it, it's even funnier that we that were I, making fun of you for not saying it. And I forgot to say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and he almost And he damn near won. Oh, what a com- – here's the stat that I didn't realize for last week was – since 2010, four guys have come back from six shots to win the Travelers on a Sunday. And Keegan wow. was six shots back and got to within one going to the 16th tee or going to the 17th tee. He was was within one shot. And it was like everything was – and I'm in Minnesota, at Shaska, Minnesota at the KPMG – Watch, I got two things going on at once because, of course, in Chaska, in Chaska, I got, I got yeah, chastised. Got I got chastised for saying Chaska wrong because I was saying Chaska. Yeah. yeah. You said it too, anyway. I didn't say anything. That's true. Yeah, you never do. <laughs> I didn't know where the hell you were. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I know. I'm like Carmen San Diego back in the day or, wait, what was the other one? Not Waldo, but the other dude. Where in the world is? Where's Waldo? Carmen, no, Carmen San Diego. But there was another dude, the boy who travels all the time. Anyway, um, that's what happens when your kids get flat. Old. Stanley, forget <laughs> no, no, no. Dora the Explorer. There's Dora. There's Carmen. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And then there's a. Little boy, but I keep I forget his name. This anyway, is the worst podcast ever. Where were you going? This is the worst start. I was in Chaska, Minnesota for the women's for the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, which turned out to be amazing as well because our winner over there, Hannah Green, had a four shot lead at one time and then whittled that down to one. And so she's on the big screen and in the little screens in the media center. And I'm on my iPad watching Keegan make this run. And it's like, this could be two, I, I, I hate using the word collapses, but this could be two epic comebacks at the same time. One at a major and then one at, at, at the Travelers. So Untimely double bogey out of him. Yeah. Untimely. Did you see? But you this, know what, though? So he, he, the shot he hit, he was 
he played the shot that you have to play when you hit it in the left bunker on 17 and have yep. to fly it across water out of the bunker. But this is how perfect pros are. I don't think one grain of sand moved when he hit the bunker shot from the left fairway bunker on 17. And I would say if they had the shot tracker on it, the apex was maybe eight feet high. He caught it so thin. Because, you know, if it's fat, it's in the water. If it's right. thin, it's a screaming Mimi. But at least even if it hits the water, it's going to skip 37 times. But this one didn't hit the green and went over the back. He just made – didn't hit a great chip and then didn't hit a great putt. So – and that was game over. But what do you and, I, and I'll tell you what, though, great story for Ches Reavy. Uh, one of the longest droughts, his last win, 2008 at the RBC Canadian Open – uh, so for Reevy to get the win, an Arizona State guy first and foremost, so we'll throw that out there. But of he course. played well. He played well Sunday at the U.S. Open with Brooks Kepka. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a U for a second and name drop. I was with <laughs> Kepka today Monday, shooting a Sports Center commercial with him, and what well, we did too. It was a, it was it was a it was a two, two commercial shoot. They're hilarious. I wish that I could tell you what they're about. No, you're just gonna have to it. wait to see. I, I, yeah, I got to save it. Yeah. But he was saying we brought up Reevy, you know, because Reevy won yesterday. Brooks was in the tournament yesterday, uh, and he was he was laughing at himself. He's like, "Bro, I was first off yesterday morning, Sunday morning." <laughs> He's like, "I was trying to play that thing in under three hours." <laughs> uh, so he was making fun of himself, but he said it was good to see Chaz win because he's so respected on tour. The long drought, he admired the way he played at the U.S. Open. So again, in this early part—well, not even the early part anymore—we're three majors in. What a great! storyline of a season we've had and and Reeve just adds to it yeah and he's he's also one of those guys who's really well liked and for me his caddy um justin york aka his nickname's bird dog which you would think is like a not a nice nickname or it sounds kind of dirty but it's not the reason he's called bird dog is because players could hit golf balls anywhere and this, he could bird dog them. Like, he would just, wherever, you'd be like, that's gone. And he would be standing over, I got it. And you're like, what? How in the world did you find that kind of, so that part of it was, was really, really cool, um, to see the two of them win. But bird dog, Justin, also had, at one time, one of the best afros on tour, and he cut it all off. And I didn't Why? even recognize him. At first, I thought Chez and him split. And then it turns out they didn't. He had just cut his afro down. You so can't know, do that. I don't know why. They'd be know. like you all of a sudden shaving the beard. It's become a brand. I'm tempted to do it sometimes, though. Really? Yeah, I'm tempted to shave off everything. Like mustache, beard. And I, I have not. I've maybe shaved my mustache off less than. I could count the times on one hand. Oh, when, let's since, unpack since this for 14. So, I know I think Dollar Shave Club still friend of the program. Oh, big Why, and, uh, I, and I do use Dollar Shave Club. I have used their stuff to keep underneath the beard clean and, of course, yeah. the head. I got to, you know, I still got to do the head because I don't want to do so it. So, here, here's where I think we're at with this. There, there's a rumor going around that I think you and I – might be on the broadcast of something coming up in October, golf related. Yes, are you in? I'm in. Yes, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I'm so on the call. Maddie and the caddy is making that move. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be big. Okay, now, I'm, I'm in. One, I'm we wondering yeah. if that's when you do it. No. No. Right. No. If I'm going to do it, it's going to be – I was thinking if I was going to do it, maybe do it like New Year's Day. Oh, start fresh. Yeah, like here we go, brand new year. Because then if it's a disaster, then I have a full year to make the comeback. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can kind of track it as it's growing in. Because beards go through ugly phases too. But I was like, there was a couple of times that I was tempted to do it this past week. But then the weather stayed chilly. So when we well, were what in is Pebble it? for is the U.S. The, Open, and then we were in Minnesota, and in Minnesota, for some reason, you know, I was like, man, this is because hockey season's over, like maybe, so I don't know. I just got a wild inkling, and then the temperature stayed in the 60s and overcast, and I was like, nah, this is not the time to clean shave, you know. That thing can't thought, be comfortable in the heat. You know, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, and I think that's because I shaved my head. So because I have a shaved head, it's not as bad as if I had a full head of hair. Like if I had the Justin York afro, then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as comfortable, you know. And you, so are you, you know, I you took like be- four inches off of this thing too, so as much as I'd still love to talk about your follicles, we'll move on here in a second. But could like if you if you wanted to grow your hair out, could you? Yeah. It would be Let's do that. Let's It would shave be the lighter. Beard. It would be I would definitely have a Tiger Woods on the top though. It would it would definitely be there would there would be a homie the clown element to it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this then. Let's shave the beard on New Year's Day and grow out the hair. Let's flip this thing around. Oh. Growing the hair out, I would have I'm going to have to get that's going to have to go to the home committee. It's fine. It's hair. Um, you can get rid of it. It comes back and go. Like I think we just try this. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we All can right. work it out. We can All work right. it. out. I'll talk to some. I'll. 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 Well, I'm not going to name drop. I'm just going to say the. Uh, I did get a really nice compliment from someone who I respect deeply, who is very a well known sports figure, and they and when I said you know I was thinking about shaving the beard off, and this person said. Michael, people don't know you for you. The beard is just part of it, but if you shave it off, it's not like no one's not going to know you. So That's right. But this week, and in the airport flying home, like to hook up to do this, there were four people on the trip home that came up to me and was like, I thought that was you. I saw the beard. So that way, you're kind of right. Like people do now recognize me because of the beard, which is weird. And I love that we're having a... We're having a talk of your internal struggle of how to handle your celebrity out in Look, public. I would love to talk golf stuff, but I'm going to be completely honest. I only got to interview the winning caddy after the round. I don't at care. KPMG, which and no, it was awesome I- at KPMG talking to Nate because imagine this would him winning. With Hannah Green at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship would be like you caddying for a rookie on the PGA Tour 
and beating Tiger coming down a stretch of a major. Because Aria Jatanagar, this Hannah played this woman Hannah Green, who's uh Australian, she had the lead she has never had a fifty four hole lead ever in a LPGA tour event. She went wire to wire with the caddy who's a rookie too. This is his first year caddying on the LPGA tour. And it was funny, I asked him to go, Hey Nate, man, what did y'all talk about on eighteen while you were standing there waiting, like trying to keep the nerves down? And he goes, Hi. I don't remember. I don't even remember. Like, he was in such a blur zone. But at the end, he was like, you know, just everything was perfect for the week. Every It felt like every time we got to the ball, we had a perfect yardage. And if we didn't execute, if it wasn't perfect, it it ended up okay. Like, she would chip in or hole out from a bunker. When it looked like we were going to make a double, we had this amazing thing of luck. And... Apparently, she was staying with Kari Webb, who's in the Golf Hall of Fame and is one of Australia, probably is Australia's greatest women's golfer ever and is, has had a huge effect on women's golf in Australia. It was because of Kari and, and Hannah staying in Kari's house. There were like 10 Australians staying in his house. That's one of the main reasons that Hannah ended up winning, which was, it was just, it's a really cool story and I'm, very disappointed that I didn't get to talk to her after she won, but I had a great conversation with her caddy, which is up on the caddy network as well. So. All right, so if you if you're into that, sounds like a good behind the scenes look at her tremendous story of the women's, the LPGA, and the major championship. There, speaking of major championship, we are now uh, just a couple of weeks out, a few weeks out from Royal Portrush in the Open Championship, and we talked to Keegan Bradley about this in our conversation with him. And I talked with Kepka about it today. The new PGA schedule, which yep. this week goes from the Travelers Championship to the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. I leave on a flight tomorrow morning to go do some Sports Center hits out there on Wednesday with the tournament host, Ricky Fowler. Yep. And then after Rocket Mortgage, you've got 3M Open and John Deere Classic, Barbasol, and then the Open Championship. So the big debate. Well, Barbasol is the this same week. That's right. I it just, goes I just John Deere. So it's a split. 3M. Yeah, 3M. And then John Deere. And, and then, then from open, John yeah. Deere over to the Open. And I'm going to make you so, real mad because I just booked the tea time at Royal County Downs. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry. So we have three weeks, really. Three weeks or so and, uh, until the, the final major of the season, which is remarkable. We're talking about the final major already being here. And you and I have gone back and forth on this, but from some of the players that I've talked to, Kepka being one of them, he loves the new schedule. Love it. Yeah, I love the new schedule. He's going to say – well, here's the thing. He's going to say that, but he was also the first person to admit that at the Travelers, he had nothing in the tank. There was well, yeah, they nothing. just flew cross-country. Well, what do you think they're going to do the week after the Open Championship when we go to Memphis? We're going to go from playing in 40-degree weather to 140 degrees. We're going from we're going from Santa Claus to Satan is basically what we're going to do. And I think both have redeeming qualities. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I didn't say which one I want to party with. I'm just saying when it comes to the PGA Tour schedule. Listen, here's the thing. This, in theory, this has been awesome. It has been awesome in theory. 
But there are two people you got to think about. Number one, Justin Rose, who was world number one and has admitted he's the one guy where everyone else behind the scenes is talking about it. He's the only one to publicly say, I don't I had no idea how to prepare this year. And it yeah, and that was in going way. into the Masters. Correct. And 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 it showed. And look, guess who won the Masters? Tiger Woods. Correct. And now Tiger can't play between the Masters and the PGA Championship. And how did that work out? Not well. Correct. So now let's go. Tiger has played from April, and now it's going to be through the begin the middle of July. How many PGA Tour events? PGA Tour, not majors. How many PGA Tour events is Tiger Woods going to play between the Masters and the Open Championship? All right, I'll go through this with you right now. He One. from the Masters. Just you're, you're talking the Masters. Yep. Okay, he did not play at RBC Heritage. He obviously didn't play at the Zurich. He decided not to play Wells Fargo. So then, okay, so after so the Memorial one. What's after the Memorial? Did he play after then? No, and he won't until the Open. It's correct. So just going into that's you you just named off four tournaments between the Masters and the US Open. Not counting the week right before the US Open which was in RBC. RBC no, R it went oh, yeah, Memorial Canada. You're RBC right. I was thinking Canada, RBC because yeah. RBC used to be Hilton Head. So <laughs> it, was just, it was so confusing. But that's what I'm saying. Tiger Woods, your number one guy who drives the numbers, right? I understand, hey, man, like Tiger's not necessarily the guy who's in the top five in the world and you want all the best players showing up. But, look, you want the dude playing your tournaments who – People are going to turn the TV on to watch and see. Like, who drives the numbers? Tiger Woods. So you're telling me between the That's Masters. one guy. I don't. So what? You know what? You the can't Patriots, rely on that guy anymore, though. I understand. Listen, the reason that you set this schedule up is so that you have the best players playing in the biggest events so that people turn on the television. That's what you're trying to do. Like, this is. I understand. I understand it's great for the tournaments when guys are playing, but guess what? If people aren't watching on TV, you know what you ain't selling? Advertising. No, and I get that. But what my point is, you can't rely if you're a tournament relying on Tiger for anything other than, or if you're a tournament period that's outside of the big seven, and you're relying on Tiger, that's a you problem. If you're a big tournament and you're relying on somebody, let, Brooks is a perfect example. Brooks was here this week. Yeah, and how did that work out? He was there. <laughs> That's Speed you know, was there. Bubba was there. Day was there. I mean, these guys were there. Phil yes. was there. Yes. Yeah. Well, and there you go. And like, how other than Jason Day making a nice run up, up, up the leaderboard. I mean, the one thing I love – look, I love the Travelers. What, and I what, love the Are you having they, like a happy hour while we're recording this, by the way? What do you keep drinking? Coffee, dude. <laughs> coffee. Your boy was up at 3 <laughs> o'clock in the morning to catch a 6.30 flight out of Minneapolis 
And I, oh, was it know, coming we, out of a sippy cup or what? Why? No, Why man, the coffee is hot. <laughs> the coffee's hot, so you go. You know what I mean? You don't just guzzle hot coffee. I'm not trying to. I don't want skin hanging off the top roof of my mouth, bro. Yeah, but but it's yeah, my, okay. Look. It's only my first cup of coffee of the day. That's why I'm starting to get jacked up. You know? Yeah, but look at this. All right, look at this leaderboard of dudes that were there. And I'm talking travelers now. This is a tournament directly. After the U.S. Open across the country. Yep. Keegan Bradley, Paul Casey, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Tommy Fleetwood. Kiz is in there. I mean, yeah. there was a good uh, look, group man, of guys. That Kiz, Patrick Reed was take there. Take Kiz off of there. Take Justin take Thomas Keegan off of there. Uh, like, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you Paul Casey. I'm going to give you Jason Day. I'm going to give you Bryson. I'm going to give you Tommy Fleetwood on the international side. And you know what I mean? Like, I'll give you those guys who are in the top 13. I'll give you that. It's just fine. The thing is, though, of those guys, if, if I give you those guys, which one of those guys, if they're charging on the TV, are people going to turn the TV on for? Like, it's great for the tournament, and it looks good in the big picture of things. But the problem is trying to draw eyes there and don't think about this year this is the other thing of looking forward when i say yep. we have to look forward on this new schedule it i don't care this year because what's going to change is next year next year is when you're going to see it because there's going to be plenty of dudes that try and make that trip from the open championship over to memphis to play in the wgc the following week. And there'll be plenty of dudes who missed the cut at the Open and are flying over to Memphis. Probably Phil being one of them. Maybe. Maybe. But the reason they're going to do that is because they're going to go, okay, how is this going to affect where my placement is in the FedEx Cup? But the problem then for the FedEx Cup is when guys are burnt out going into the FedEx Cup, those exciting playoffs that you're hoping for, no one's going to have anything in the tank for them. Nothing. You're gonna have to make the, but see, I get that this year, but you're gonna have to make the adjustment. The fact that the tour, and if you make that adjustment, then all of those big names that you, that's you're going exactly where I'm saying. If you make that adjustment, and all of those big names that are making the adjustment, guess what? Who's gonna lose out? All the PGA Tour events. Because I think you're gonna, overrating that. Oh, absolutely not. You, I think you're overrating it. I think this year's you know who different. will win. I, I will who? tell you who will win. The The tournaments that will win are going to be the fall events. The fall events are the tournaments that are going to gain players. Yeah, but if you look at the schedule the way it lays out now, you've always got a decent field at the waste management. So that's end of January, early February. You're yeah. always going to get a decent field at Pebble Beach. Farmers. Uh, Je Genesis always gets a good one. Yep. Genesis is getting then, a good one because we know who the host is. Farmers correct. is getting a good one because we know the history of Farmers and because correct. it's been there for so long. Phoenix is so going to be a good one. So that takes care of the winter months. Kind of. Because then you go Florida Swing. The Honda Classic's the one that's going to take a hit. Which it already did. Tampa's taking a hit again, too, but it has been getting better. But here's the other one that's going to take a hit is going to be Arnie. Arnie's going to take a hit, too, because guys aren't going to play both Tampa and Arnold Palmer. They're not going to play. They don't House forget Park. the players because you go Arnold Palmer, then you go the players. Oh, see, this is where Arnie's going to take the hit because guys will play Tampa instead because Tampa plays more like the players than what Arnold Palmer does. 
Bay Hill is not a course that is similar. Like the the Copperhead course is much more similar to the Players Championship than what Arnold Palmer is. And Arnold Palmer is normally overseeded with winter rye. I think it's going to take a little bit longer for the players and for us and for everyone to figure out the schedule to see what they like and don't like about it. But first, let's find out what a current player, how he feels about it, Keegan Bradley. Plus, I guarantee you in this interview, you were going to learn something from Keegan Bradley of the effect that he had on golf that you may have never known. All right, 2011 PGA champion at the Travelers Championship in Old Cromwell, Connecticut. He also is is from the New England area. Keegan Bradley joining Maddie and the Caddy. And Keegan, I guess the first question is, what's it like playing in a tournament that's essentially your home tournament because it's in the New England area? Yeah, it uh, you know it's I've I've really welcomed it. My first couple of years on tour is actually a really tough event for me, uh, but now I've been able to kind of embrace it a little more and i've really learned to love every second of it the the travelers to me is one of the best tournaments on tour and it's so fun to play in front of friends family and other new englanders it's funny too because i always tell people in golf unlike in most other sports home games not fun because what's the most ticket request that you've gotten because like you said those first couple years not fun that's right i i normally I normally get in Hartford and Boston tournaments are normally pretty similar, anywhere from fifty to a hundred. <laughs> and the 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 tournaments are so good to me, especially travelers and the guys that run the travelers. And you know, I'm so proud of to to call this a home event. I really feel like it's my home event, and um, I'm so proud of the, what they've done to this tournament and how the field is shaped up. And it's just a really special event. How many of those 50 or 100 people that are requesting tickets, how many of those people do you actually like? <laughs> Not 50 to 100, I'll tell you that. It's somewhere below that. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee, I guarantee you less than half coming to the family barbecue. That's right. <laughs> so when it comes down to it, man, what was it that made you decide to start embracing playing in the Travelers? I mean, their field this year is phenomenal. Yeah, I, you know, my first couple of years, I just wanted to play well here so badly. This was this was the tournament I came to when I was a kid, and I, you know, I remember coming here and just being in such awe of the guys and watching, and you know, it put so much pressure on myself to to come and perform here. And then, you know, over the years, I've realized that I got to try to enjoy it more and have fun and, and look in the crowd and see friends and family and. And think about how cool it is there. They get to drive to this tournament and watch. And just over the years, it's, it's taken, you know, as you get some more experience, it's, it's become easier. It's come easier to me. There will be times this week where, you know, I'll maybe push a little too hard or try too hard. And that's just a battle for me the whole week is just to try to make it a, a regular week. You, you had mentioned the field and, and Caddy and I were talking about this, this last week on the show coming off the U.S. Open. What's the biggest difference, Keegan? When you're going from everything that goes into a major championship week and then having to go to the very next tournament after everything that's involved with a major. Well, another great thing about the Travelers is this course is known for 
making birdies and you know not not getting your your teeth kicked in like you are at the U.S. Open or wherever. You come here and it's got such a you can almost take a deep breath when you when you come to the, to this tournament because it's got a it's got a small town feel to it but with a major feel. So you know you're, you're you know that the course is not going to be as pe- penalizing. You know that you know the birdies are going to be out there, and that just makes it that much more fun and relaxing. And and unlike Harbor Town, right after the Masters, which is a tight golf course, the Travelers played at uh, TPC River Highlands. That golf course is a little bit more wide open. So as you say, it's not quite a grind, and the golf course seems to be a little bit less of a hold your breath a lot of the time, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's I, I think that the Travelers, and they've nailed how to run this tournament. Like We don't want to show up here and see super deep rough and tight fairways and stuff like that. We're looking for this exact sort of setup, and that, that goes into having this type of field, I think, and, and just how they run the event. The uh, theme of the show today, Keegan, has been the new schedule uh, in the PGA Tour season, and we've seen it already kind of with the major championships. You had the players moved up before the Masters, then you had Quail Hollow before the PGA Championship, now the U.S. Open, and then coming in a few weeks, the Open Championship. How have you adapted to this new schedule, especially with a major every month? Well, it's definitely strange. It's definitely... You know, you're we're all of a sudden, you know, we're coming down the end of the season, and it's it's weird because we're only in Hartford. But um, the one nice thing that we've had is we've been on the same style of grass now for about a month, and we never we never get that. Like we've been playing Bethpage Memorial Canada, um, you know, even even Pebble to Hartford. We're all on the same grass, which is is a big bonus. And then, but you know, it's it's big tournament after big tournament. I mean, it's 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 mentally draining, but we're so lucky that we get to have this, you know, big events all the time, and we're lucky to have it. But in in saying that big tournament after big tournament so close, everyone is kind of learning a new way to have to travel and set up their schedule. What's been the what's been the hardest part? And have you already figured? Well, I already know I'm going to have to make some adjustments in 2020. Yeah, it's definitely strange because you've always you've had this sort of set schedule or if you've been out here a while you've had this sort of set schedule for you know for me close to nine years and then all of a sudden you know this this one tournament falls in a really bad spot now or whatever event it is and it's kind of a bummer to have to maybe not play that one so that's kind of everyone's kind of experimenting this year i mean theoretically you would love to not play too many events in in a row into a major so it definitely goes into how you make your schedule, and I think I know I'm going to make a couple adjustments next year, and I'm sure a bunch of other guys will too. Yeah, Justin Rose said as much going into the Masters that he wasn't really preparing the right way because he wasn't used to how the prep goes into it based on the schedule change. Have you noticed some of that where, like you just said, it you're used to a set schedule, perhaps your body clock and your preparation is used to one way, and all of a sudden mentally and physically you've got to turn it to another? Yeah, it is definitely. It's also very strange to play, you know, we're playing basically major and then a regular event and then a major and then a regular event and then a major. So you're playing you're playing these majors, it seems like, all in a row. And a lot of times it's nice after a major to not play a major for a while just because it's, <laughs> 
normally the setup's <laughs> tougher yeah. and, and it's a lot more stressful and so that that goes into it too i mean that's that's a big part of it a lot of these guys aren't you know they're going u.s open british open or they're going pga u.s open there's no events in between and i, I think that's pretty difficult I would have to definitely agree with that. And like you said, starting off when we were talking about this, it's weird to say we're at the Travelers and, and players are going, well, almost the end of the season. Wait, it's not even July yet? Yeah, almost the end. Yeah. It's kind of funny how that works. All right, enough with the golf stuff. Now we got to talk real deal. You do not get enough credit as being the first dude to wear Jordans. <laughs> on the PGA Tour, and to this day, you still wear Jordans that nobody else can get and nobody else has. you got to tell everybody, how did that come about? Like, how did you meet Jordan, and now you start wearing his stuff, those Jordans? Because your Jordans are, I can't, I'm not going to lie, as a sneakerhead, I put Instagram like crazy on your Jordans. (laughs) You know I do, too. Yeah, yeah, so um, MJ, we both played the same course in florida bears club and i got i first met mj first off i grew up idolizing him i remember when he came back for the wizards i remember the first game back i i couldn't sleep the night before i was so excited so i've always <laughs> been i've always been i remember my first pair of jordans i had to beg we, i couldn't afford them i had to beg my grandmother to buy them for me like for forever and but i you know i met MJ, I'd seen him around Bears Club, and then I met him at the 2012 Ryder Cup. Because he he comes in and talks, and so we kind of said, "Hey, let's hopefully you know maybe catch up and play." And so next time I saw him at Bears Club, we we connected and we started playing. And then you know the guy loves golf more than any person in the world I've ever met, and he's always he always wants to play. So and that's me. That's that's me and my buddy. So. We became very close through playing, and one day I was playing with him, and I said, "Hey, have you ever, have you ever thought about maybe doing golf shoes?" And he said, "Yeah, I'd love to. I, would you be willing to kind of test out some shoes and blah blah blah?" And so I did, and I flew out to Oregon and did a bunch. Of Hold tests on, man. When he said, "Would you?" Two things. Number one, that first time that y'all teed it up. What were the nerves like compared to a PGA Tour event? And number two, when he asked you to test out some shoes for him, how fat did he even finish asking before you yelled yes? No, yeah, exactly. It was. I remember a phone call. He called me, and I didn't. I didn't uh, answer. I was playing or something. And he left me a message. You know, kind of walking through what he wanted to do, and I. It was one of those. You have these kind of pinch yourself moments at, when you. When you become a professional athlete, you, you actually become friends with some of your your idols you grew up with, and and you look at them as now now this is you know not only Michael Jordan but he's a friend of mine, and that's that's one of the moments that you kind of go wow this is really crazy, <laughs> and but he so you know he's the, the thing about Jordan shoes is why they're so successful is they treat these shoes like they're Ferraris like there there is not down to the tongue size of the tongue, down to the, you know, the, the shoelace length. Like, there is not one single thing that they, don't, that they don't tweak or make perfect. If it's not perfect, it's not right. So I was able to kind of go in there and really customize the shoes in terms of performance for wow. me. And, uh, like, on, on my, on, I wear a half-size smaller on my left 
foot. It's like that. It goes even down to, and then I was getting some water was kind of leaking into my shoe through my tongue. So they just made it like a quarter of an inch wider or whatever, however long it was. And, you know, this is the type of stuff that they do. And this is why they're so successful. They're the first thing is they want it to be good for the athlete and Mm. they don't want it to be just okay. They want it to be perfect. So, um, and it's just a it's just a blessing, and then I was able to have a lot of input on the on the uh, performance side, which went into some of the shoes that they sell now. And he always told me he wanted me to have a shoe that maybe no one could wear. And, um, I'm just I'm so thankful to have a relationship with MJ because he's not only is he the nicest guy, he's the most generous and fun guy to be around. And, it's pr- it's one of the coolest things I've been able to do in my career. All right, so Keegan, give me a story of the first time you come back from Beaverton, you helped him kind of design these golf shoes. Give me a story from the first time that you had to give your idol and now business guy, Michael Jordan, feedback on his first ever golf shoe. Yeah, so, you know, he, he was very concerned. He doesn't want to put out a, a, a shoe that's not great. So... He's got a team of guys that I would kind of deal with, and I would run it by MJ, and I because he's he's a good player, so he can understand what I'm saying. Like I could say, you know, this is great, but when I when I get up to a driver, I don't have as much stability as I would like. So, you know, I, I played one week with him in uh, Memorial, and it was soft, and I it was it had rained, and I just said, I just I need a little more ability for when it gets soft or when I you know it's wet out and you know, so they make a few changes they send you a pair you 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 try them and no that's not right I mean we went through I would say we went through close to 10 prototype pairs you know before I wear the ones I wear now and these are actually the second generation of them I think personally they're performance wise for me they're the best I couldn't wear a different shoe they're, they're so great and um you know, it's, a, it's an advantage I feel I have on the other guys. Most importantly, when you first put those first pair of Jordans on and wore them out to the golf course or people saw them, who was the one person that either text messaged you or called you that made you even go, oh, snap, about <laughs> well, the shoes? I, it was so – I remember I was playing the President's Cup with Phil Mickelson at Memorial. And I had these shoes, these custom kind of President's Cup style shoes. And a lot of people either love my shoes or they hate them. There's no like, <laughs> there's no like in between. So that's Jordan. I'm playing with Phil. I'm playing with Phil, and he's saying how much he hates these shoes and how ridiculous <laughs> it is, and blah blah blah. So by the you know the fourth hole of the practice round, I'm getting, I get, I get a hundred people who eat nowadays, even the people yelling about my shoes and. He looked at me and he goes, dude, I'm sorry. If I was wrong about the shoes, people are loving them. <laughs> so it was, it, it's it's so incredible. This one quick story, I, it just shows how far the Jordan brand goes. I was playing a practice round in China and at the WGC, and I was playing with three people from China and none of, no English, zero. <laughs> and we get on the, the first hole and this old lady, she had to be, you know, in her 70s, barely playing, but she was out there. And she pointed at my shoes and said, Jordan. And she said, Jordan, put her thumbs up. And I'm like, that's what I was like. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, this is, this is, you know, this is crazy. In a lot of ways, people know me more now for the, for the shoes than what I've done on the course, which is different. But I'm, 
like I said, I'm just so grateful to have a, to, to just be around the guy and lucky to be around him. Did you approach him? Because I'm very familiar with Bears Club out there in the Jupiter area. Did you approach him for the first time, or how did that first meeting go? Because I can imagine that's probably intimidating when you see Michael Jordan running around a golf course, even though you're a pro golfer, major champion winner. It was. I, I was playing, and he was getting ready to play, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to – because Fred Couples is really close to me. He always would tell me, you got to – Get to know MJ. You guys are going to get along so well. Um, you know, I'm just going to. I never go talking to those. I'm just going to go over and introduce myself and say hi. And I went over and introduced myself and was like, Keegan. You know, he he was just so nice. It made me feel so comfortable. And uh, and just you know, the the thing about MJ is he wants to play golf and he wants to play 36 holes. And he will if you want to play, he'll bring you. I mean, he's type of guy he is I've introduced him to some of my college buddies that I grew up with and they play with him without me more than I do now so he you know he's he's just the best and so you get out there and and sometimes you you, you know he'll do like a fist pump or he'll do something and, and it, you get like flashbacks to you know when he was playing or something like that and it's it's pretty neat and and I'm sure if your friends are playing a bunch too there's some gambling going on there definitely is. That's that's my favorite part about playing with him is, you know, he'll play he'll play you for whatever you want, but it doesn't matter. He'll play my buddies for twenty bucks, and he is, you know, he'll ride you, and he, and you might be playing another match for who knows, you know, more than that. And, uh, <laughs> and he he doesn't care. He'll be yelling at my buddies, you know, barking at them if they miss but and he'll know. His twenty dollar match. He's two down, and he's got a press. Like he knows all what's going on, and it doesn't matter the price. He just wants to beat the hell out of you. How many strokes you giving him? I give him ten or eleven, depending on the course. Uh huh. Um, so the Bears Club it, it varies, but um, he plays the back tees. We, you know, he plays. You know, he plays where we play from. Wow. So you know, it's uh, he's and he's a good player. He really is. Man, that's so awesome. Look, I know you, you had a very limited amount of time, so I gotta say, man, thank you so much for doing this on short notice and telling us stories, but promise me that you'll come back on and do the podcast again with us because we've only told some Jordan stories. There are some stories for you and Mickelson and some of the fun gambling that y'all do on the course. And we got to talk about Phil and his social media. So that's we got right, another we podcast do. we're going to have to <laughs> knock out at some point. Absolutely, I'd love to. Keegan, great stuff, man. Appreciate you. Play well the rest of the way. All right. Thank you. Have a good one, brother. Thanks again. I'm telling you, Caddy, I told a couple of people the story about Keegan and the Jordans, and they didn't have a clue that he's really the one that brought that to golf. Yes. That's the thing that's so ironic. I remember being at the event when he first busted out his Jordans. And his Jordans are not like the Jordans that Pat Perez or Harold Varner III wear. Like, they're not the same. They're not the same Jordan. They are not. The Jordans that Keegan rocks, are ne- none of them are available to the public. They're literally one-offs. So when I first took pictures of his Jordans, sneakerheads lost their minds. And justifiably so, because I lost my mind when I saw it, <laughs> too. But I didn't even Keegan never told me the full story. I never have gotten to ask him the full story of how that happened. So the fact of him, 
I just love the fact that Keegan too admitted that he was fanboy nervous going up to Michael to M as he now calls him MJ <laughs> going right. up to MJ and talking about just approaching him to play. I mean, that was awesome. That was just awesome. I thought I thought it was a great conversation. So our thanks to Keegan Bradley for hopping on with us. Congratulations to him for having a remarkable tournament. Uh, coming up next, I have to call out ESPN and and my bosses. Ooh. And and I'll and I'll oh, do boy. that coming up next on Maddie and the Caddy. Welcome back to Maddie and the Caddy. And you know, I I fully intended this week to recap my second stint on the bag with George Lopez. Yes. Uh, at the, at the pro-am at the travelers, everything was set up. We were ready to go. So I wake up pro-am morning and I have an email from scheduling, uh, that is requiring me to come in on that Wednesday to host a 2 PM sports center because of a rain delay at the college world series. See, now here's the difference between you and me. You actually look at your email. <laughs> See? Where you would have had an out. You had an out. Oh, they would have been, had I not confirmed the email, they'd have been texted and calling. 100%. Yeah, I know. That's probably true. Yeah. So, I, so I, I had to, I had to text Lopez first thing in the morning and say, Hey, I'm out. I, uh, I got called in to do Sports Center. And of all the days, like of all the days, but I, but I did make it known when I got into work and I sat down at the Sports Center pod. Like, hey man, thanks for coming in. I'm like, yeah, I just you know, I was you know, I was on my way to to go caddy for George Lopez, and well, you know, I'm here doing this. Um, so, <laughs> Grump, it was a grumpy Maddie on Sports Center. No, like there was a, there was nothing I could do. I mean, it was I was it was a prep day. I had I had to go in and do it. But of all the days for there to be a rain delay the night before to have the continuation of a College World Series game, it would have to be the day. That, that I was going to get on the bag for Lopez two, two, and what was two the years in a like? row. It was overcast. It was a little wet. It was a little rainy, but the rain cooperated. I didn't think there was any chance they were getting in the Pro-Am or even the first round on Thursday, but it cooperated. Really? Because I know yep. they played lift clean in place. Um, yeah, it was wet. Yeah, yeah. And I still I haven't I haven't been in contact with George yet to find out how he did. So – I'm anxious to see, and hopefully, hopefully he got hooked up with a with a good caddy, you know, who was down to earth and just chill. But yeah, morning of that's a that's a tough call out. Like I'm I'm officially that guy. Like the morning of, he thought he was going to have someone comfortable on his bag, and then you know, and then sports just center like happens. That. Yeah, yeah, which oh, that's the worst. So how do they, how would they do that? You're a regular pro am. What what kind of chop would they get to get on his bag? How does that work? It all depends. Well, the thing about the one thing too that another reason why I love the Travelers so much. The Travelers has become one of the best events for caddies because they are so caddy friendly, and the people that work in the caddy tent for the week are really good at taking care of caddies. And because I think George has played in this event so many times that they know exa if they have to put a caddy with him, they would put someone who's who's would fit with him, which would be good. I think there was one time where I think they had it might have been the first year that I was I wasn't supposed to caddy for him. 
and I th- I was doing Sirius XM, and I think they that first time they had somebody there caddying for him that was not a good fit, and by the time he left the driving range, I was on the bag. Really? How'd that yeah. go? It, not good for that other dude. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? Wait a second. It never feels good when someone like me walks up and goes, "Take the bib off right now, put the bag down." And he looks at George, and George just nods, like, "Hey, yeah." Well, you know what? If you can tell when someone, if it's just not going to be a good fit, if 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 you're not letting someone like. George is George loves golf and respects the game so much that when he's when he's going through his his routine of warming up, he warms up like a pro. Like he wants to go through his routine. So if you're like Chatty Cathy and start chatting him up too much or start talking about like really ridiculous and stupid stuff while somebody's going through their warm up routine, like we go through when George is getting ready to play we go through it like it's a round, like it's a real round. Like I treat him the same way I would treat Kevin Streelman or Scott Piercy or any of the guys, Omar Uresta, any of the guys who I've caddied for before. When we go through our warm-up routine to go play, I do the same thing with George that I would do with a tour pro. Getting Which ready is for what? Round. Which is like I, all the grips get clean and stuff. It's just the mentality and the conversation that happens on the driving range as a guy's getting ready to go play is very light and feel oriented. Yeah. I never, I didn't, we didn't talk that much. He did an interview before we warmed up last year and then he sat there and I was like, what do you want? What do you want to start with? And I, I gave him the club and he just hit a couple and I would just sit there and and look around on the range. I I just let him do his thing. And then he'd hit a couple good shots. I'm like, good, good contact, good this. And I just leave it at that. And that's why when afterwards, when, after you were done, when you caddy for him last year, he sent a message and said, Hey, Maddie was awesome. So you, that was perfect. That was perfect. That's amazing because when he was doing his interview, I grabbed the club out of his bag and took a couple swings. He doesn't care about that. Okay. Yeah. Cause again, he's doing an interview. So he hasn't started his routine. And like you said, when he started doing his warm up, like when he was going through his warm up and no one was there doing an interview with him, like you were literally focused on his swing. And it's not like you were going, Hey, an episode something, something of this and that. And well, hey, man, when you was, when you did like blue and were the, oh, toucan, so it was one of those. It was fanboying. Yeah. Like, and not even that. Or, or you can tell they were like, Hey, when's your next project coming up? You know, and oh, I do a little acting on the side too. Like, as soon as you hear that, you know what I mean? You can, and for me, to, like, you know, I could, if you and I were out somewhere and I saw someone talking to you, I could see by your facial expression because we've been friends long enough. Now I could just walk over and be like, Hey, Maddie, come here, man. Let me, uh, let me like you did that once. We did that already. Yeah. Some guy was chatting me up and you walked over and like, hey, Mike, can you come over here? I need to ask you something real quick. And I was like, hey, excuse me for a second. Oh, yeah, sure. And I walk away and you're like, hey, man, you look. And I was like, great call. And so George just I could see the, by the look on his face and by the shots he was hitting. It was like, oh, no, nah, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. And so I just. Walked over and was like, yo, take the bib off. <laughs> what? Take the bib off and put the bag down. <laughs> George's like, yeah, Mikey's my regular caddy. 
at my regular. <laughs> and then this guy just left. Yeah, you got to go back back to the yard, yo. Get back to the yard. <laughs> oh man, back to the yard. Because look, when it comes, look, I'm not. You know, it's not trying to be. <laughs> I know it sounds really cruel and really harsh, but in the same time. If you're the tournament director, do you want one of your celebrities to not have a good time? No. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, somebody got to be sacrificed in the in the interim, then it's like, you know, look, you didn't do nothing wrong. It's just you're not a good fit. So, take off the bib and put is the, the new is yeah. the new quote yeah, it was. Yeah, the new quote went from just give me the cloud mic. Give me the cloud mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me the cloud exactly mic. Right. Now it's like take say, the bib off and put the bag down. If we had Maddie and Caddy merch and we had two shirts, <laughs> the first the first edition shirt of year one of Maddie and Caddy would be just give me the cloud mic, and then just take off the bib is the second one. <sighs> that's amazing yeah man but that's you know it's look you would do the same thing for me i would do the same thing for you and you 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 know you and the and our fans know the relationship that i had george is like my big brother so i'm gonna protect him you know and i would do the same thing for you i would do any i would do that for any of my really close friends i would do that for a pro if a pro's caddy didn't show up for the pro-am or like something happened where they couldn't, and I saw the wrong, if it was the wrong caddy who was doing the wrong things, and, you know, the players looking around like, somebody come save me, or you could just see the annoying, the seething going on. <laughs> Same thing, man. You just go over there and be like, hey, what's up? Yo, take the bib off. <laughs> Get back in the bullpen, bro. Like, no, I, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but you got to go. You got to go. That's what's amazing about caddy and player relationships in general. Like if you have to be at a good spot in your relationship to take the abuse Michael Greller takes from Jordan Spieth. And the funny thing, this is what I try to explain to people when it comes to Greller and it comes to, to Ted Scott, Bubba's caddy. They, those two are not even in the top 10 of the most abused caddies on tour. Because the funny thing is, when pe- when stuff happens between Jordan and Greller, or when stuff happens between Bubba and Teddy, like, they don't even remember that, because that's normal on the golf course, this is how it's supposed to be. And what I try to explain to people who are like, you know, Greller's about to get fired, like, no he's not. This is the the thing, if you're... If your relationship is close enough, player caddy-wise, a player has to be able to do that. If a player can't vent and get something out of his system, even if it seems or appears like he's taking it out on his caddy, if he can't trust his caddy enough to take stuff like that, then they wouldn't have lasted a week anyway. They yeah, that's have, true. They wouldn't have lasted a week. I, there's a, a famous... I tell, not famous, but my, the best story I can tell is, is what happened to me and Kevin Streelman. We were at the, playing together at the Travelers. And on this, the 15th hole, the reachable par four, we were trying to figure out, we laid up off the tee, trying to figure out wind direction. And I'm looking at the flags. At the time, there wasn't a grandstand behind the green. The grandstand was up by 18. And I'm looking at the flags on that grandstand at 18, and they're kind of into us a little bit. 
And he was like, what's the wind doing here? And I go, it's a little bit in, just a little in. He was like, all right, so this, should I hit this club or this club? And I was like, hit this club. And he flighted it low and took the wind out of play, and it flew over the back of the green. And he just started wearing me out for it being that way. And then he got up and down, saved par, and as we're walking from 15 green to 16 tee, he's in front of me, and he stops and turns back, and he goes, hey, man, sorry. Because he sees now the flag on 16 is downwind. So he turns and looks at me and goes, hey, man, sorry, you were right. I'm sorry. And just the way that he said it, like when he said it, he was like, sorry, man, I'm sorry. And I looked at him. I put the bag down and stared him down and go, don't you ever, ever apologize to me in the middle of the round. Focus and get to that tee right now. And he saw how serious I was and it (laughs) snapped him back into that zone because I was like, and the reason that that's important is because I don't ever want a player to feel like, if they p- apologize to the caddy during the round, they lose their edge. Correct. They've, they're they now thinking more about that than they are the course. And what they're thinking about is I can make mistakes, and I have made mistakes. And now maybe the next shot, I'm not going to be as confident with – we got a tee shot on a par three over water that you can't go long on either. So you can't miss short and you can't miss long. And if this dude is not in his mind – going to hit the best shot possible in the greatest golf on the PGA Tour. If he has any doubt whatsoever, we're screwed. I don't need him apologizing to me, thinking like, you know, well, maybe it is my fault. Maybe I'm not hitting the shots that I need to hit. No, no, we're not playing that game there, Sunshine. Sorry. Like, it's my fault that you hit a bad shot on the last hole because you don't make mistakes. And then after the round, we can be like, even then, even after the round, it's like we both know, you know, what are you going to say? Like, right. it's ridiculous. So It's the heat people, of competition. Yeah, for people who think like – now, there are times – here's a perfect example that happened this past week. Jessica Corda fired her caddy on Friday. On the 16th tee box, they were in third place, just a couple shots off the lead. She hit a two-iron in the water off the tee, made a double bogey on 16, hit the tee shot on the par 317th over the back of the green, made a bogey there, and then afterwards blamed her caddy for it, which was not the caddy's fault. Let me put it that way. I'm trying to be as PC as possible here. It was not the caddy's fault. And after the fact, instead of having a conversation with her caddy about what happened on the golf course... She left the golf course and had her agent call the caddy and fire the caddy Friday night and had a different caddy on the bag Saturday, Sunday. Where were you? Why weren't you to the rescue? Oh, no, no, no. That's a bag I ain't picking up. Come on, man. This could have been your moment. No, 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 no. Again, like, I am been around the game long enough to know. I look and I'll Jess knows this. I love her to death. I would never caddy for her. Her and I would throw down before we made the first turn on Thursday, before we made the turn. Because, like, there are times, there, there are, there are times as a caddy that you will take responsibility for making mistakes, but there are times that you, you know when it's not your fault. And, the player has to take responsibility for making mistakes. So I don't do well 
I don't do well when a player when a player thinks a caddy is not fallible. If you think that caddies don't make mistakes, but you think you're okay with making mistakes on your your own, like I can make mistakes, but you can't. Nah, that's not how life works. And I'll say, here's this will probably get out there real good. I. I do not believe that Jessica Corda will win a major championship. Wow. Because of that. Until 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 she gets into a place mentally where one of the one of the greatest things that we talked to Joey. We talked to Joey about what did Joey say about what does Tiger do when Joey makes a mistake? Ribs him for it. Yeah, but like the thing about golfers is you're going to make just as many mistakes too. Like yep. you think, and this is where Pat Perez is a genius as well. And the reason that him and H have been together for so long, there is one person inside the ropes, one person who wants you, the golfer to do even better than what you want to do. There's only one person. There's one person rooting harder for you than you are for yourself. And that's the person on the bag. So now the person that Jessica had on the bag, this dude has a major championship resume. This guy caddy for Todd Hamilton at the Open Championship. He has he's caddy for Anthony Kim and one with AK. Like you're not going to tell me that this dude is making all kinds of mistakes for you on your golf bag when what do you got on your resume? Like sorry. When the caddy's resume is better than your resume? Um like, yeah, I'll give you that the caddy might make a mistake on a number every now and then, but there's no way that a caddy is trying, that is trying to mess you up. Like, this person is trying to give you the most confidence possible. So to go blame a caddy for a mistake that you make and then not take responsibility for it, like, that's not a caddy. Like what you said, it's, that's that's a you problem. That is a bit. We'll leave, we'll leave the Maddie and the caddy patrons with this. If there's someone you encounter this week, child, wife, husband, colleague, boss, and they're just not doing it right, I want every single one of you to go up to them and say, take off the bib. <laughs> Tell them, take off the bib, and you'll know that we know that you know. And when they look at you like, what in the hell are you talking about? Just walk away. Yeah, just give them that knowing look. Hey, take it. <laughs> and that's it. And we'll, we will write society one idiot at a time with tasking people to take off the bid. For the caddy, Michael Collins. <laughs> I am the Maddie. Again, the motto this week take the bid off. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.